days at the playground or right out in the street baseball Hi, I'm Steve Ferroli, and this is the Ted Williams League Podcast. I'm sitting here with Matt Marini, Dylan McDonald, and my old friend, Charlie Bradford from high school, and then and then some. And uh, basically what we're doing is we put this podcast together experimentally to try to get the vast amount of Ted Williams League information out in such a way where you may be able to follow along with us because over the years I've been talking about this and it's a book full of information so we've put together a video presentation and now we're doing a podcast as well a couple of things here uh, both Matt and Dylan are players in our adult division which we call double A Charlie is a a former umpire in the Ted Williams League and in high school and um and we're all involved in the league. Naturally, um, most of you may or may not know that I was fortunate enough to have Ted Williams name me his technical successor in 1994, meaning that I understood his theories of hitting better than anyone he had ever met. And I said, Ted, what's more important than all that, I'm, I'm thrilled, but kids' baseball is a train wreck, and I really would like to put my time into that. We're talking about 5 million kids in 90 countries in my opinion, that are playing the game out of scale and with the wrong equipment. So what we're doing here is trying to expose some of this, the details of it, in a fun way. You know, we can have fun, and we're hoping you're having fun wherever you are. You're probably working with headphones on. But uh, in such a way where you can maybe understand what we're doing so that you will enjoy the game more, that your players, your coaches, your umpires can get more out of this great American game. And I'm going to throw this caution out. I should do this every podcast. It would be so easy to go, oh, listen, these guys, they're beating up on Little League. They're beating up on AAU. They're beating up on Babe Ruth. No, no, no. That's not what we did when we threw the first pitch. September 21st, 1997, I said to Ted, let's play in the fall out of respect to everyone else and he thought that was fantastic what we realized is that there's so much information here that this has to be uh, uh, things like the podcast and the presentation have to be put together so we've got four divisions on the field right now kid division average age seven and eight thumper division nine ten years old a division give or take 11 or 12 and we'll talk about what I mean by average age in a little bit or, or at some point and then we have AA2, which is more like 13, 14, 15-ish. And uh, they're all on the field right now. So we're just going to kind of have a free-for-all and just talk about different things. And we were talking earlier a little bit, wolfing down some pizza. Matt brought it with him. You know, he's an Italian and all. And, uh, <laughs> and we, uh, we were talking about the ball. So let's just kick that off. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the ball at 7 and 8 years old. Who's got something to weigh in with there? Well, what I said upstairs when we were um, eating pizza is that it does not make sense for a kid who's like seven years old and four feet tall to be throwing a man-sized ball to a man-sized plate as well when he can barely even tie his shoes. It just it doesn't make sense for him and his body. You know, I I, I couldn't I couldn't agree agree more. Dylan, do you see that as well? Oh, hundred percent, absolutely. You know, I. I, I I don't know if you guys are there, but one, I want to say in the spring, someone in the kid di- division, it might have been Ryan, uh, oh, I can't think of his last name, Ryan B, like, oh, I can't remember his last name, we'll have to get it at some point. He threw one from the outfield, like to home plate, mm-hmm. 
and it was, you know, it wasn't a bad throw. And that was not, now naturally, the outfield is much shorter at that age. But because of that ball, they had a crack at that kid at the plate. I don't think they got him. But it's amazing to think that an outfielder could throw that ball from the outfield to home plate. And he did. And that really stands out in my mind, you know. Um, there was a comment made earlier when we were upstairs, too, about the dimensions of the field in relation to the ball, that kind of synergy of those two things working together. Can you guys, what do you think of that? Well, I think like what we were also talking about is the possibility for double plays. The ball's lighter, smaller, and the dimensions are slightly bigger or smaller depending on the age group, and it allows for the possibility for double plays to be turned. And like we also said, some kids don't even try a double play because they don't know that they can do a double play because of games they may play in Little League with a big ball and uh, the wrong dimensions. Maybe the dimensions are too short and they don't have enough time to make a double play. I, 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 do you agree with that, Dylan? For sure. And what's cool about kid division is in most other leagues, well, particularly Little League, it's it's harder for the, the fielders to be able to make a throw from third to first or to be able to turn a double play like Matt was just talking about. You rarely see it. And I think the players in general feel more comfortable. They feel like they have the confidence to be able to turn a double play. They feel like they have the confidence to be able to make the throw from third to first. And that's what's really unique about the Ted Williams League. And if you compare that to Little League, the from home to first in Little League, it's about 60 feet, give or take. But in the Ted Williams League, it's the you've a little bit more length in between the bases, and you know in Little League, if you tried to turn a double play, by the time the ball's at second base, gonna go to first, the runner's already made his made his way to first base, and that's no fun for the fielders. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, I mean, it goes for if we go to even to an average play, um, and Charlie, umpire, and I'm sure you've seen this. Um, you know, in high school. If a ball was hit to the third baseman and he bobbles it, he's got time to take that ball and still throw the runner out. Say, a decent JV player, a varsity player. If in the major leagues on TV, the third baseman can bobble the ball, recover, and throw a guy out. You know, an average runner. I'm not talking about, you know, someone flying down the line. But um, in Little League, uh, or any league that's playing in what I call the traditional dimensions... And maybe we can kind of coin that, you know, as a phrase that we can use over and over again. Because, you know, the traditional format is 60 feet with a a man-sized ball and a 17-inch plate. That's what happened in Williamsport back in the 50s. And for the most part, it's still there. Now, there have have been some adjustments, but there are enough adjustments. And um, uh, in the Ted Williams League, you can get that ball, bobble it a third, and throw that guy out at first. Now, you still got to throw it, and the guy's got to catch it, and you got to get him out, but there is time to do it. In other words, what we have done, and for those listening too, this is based on a 10-year study, by the way. We didn't just get out of bed one day and say, I think I'm going to do this. Well, this is 10 years of hard work, you know, trying to balance the offense and the defense. You know, what is the speed of the runner? What is the normal ability of the person to make the play and make the throw and try to get those to sync up correctly? And that's what, that's what we've done. Um, what else? What else we got? Well, I mean, also with the dimensions comes the ball. They're able to throw the ball harder. 
and more accurately because it's the right size for their bodies, for their hand. I mean, even in kid division, we don't even use a baseball. We use a safety ball that's significantly lighter and is much safer for the kids throwing on. Yeah, I agree. And, and um, you know, we'll at some point, we won't get into it now, but um, uh, we will throw this stat at you, uh, or two stats that... that I'm hoping that'll 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 pull your interest in. The Ted Williams League has reduced hit batters by 48%. That's what we come out with in the study. So let's call it half just for, you know, for quick reference. So, you know, that means if you played your career and you get hit 20 times in another league, you would only hit be hit 10 times in the Ted Williams League. That's huge. More important than that, there was a study done years ago that found that 20 to 50% of every boy that plays, to, by the traditional rules, will develop a condition called Little League Elbow. And we'll talk about this more. Uh, there's never been a case of Little League Elbow in the Ted Williams League in 18 seasons. And uh, I'm very proud of that. And I think it's really just simply um, a testament to the right equipment and the right dimensions. And um, we'll get on that at another, in another podcast, but I hope that pulls you in because, oh, what are these guys talking about? Talking about changing the game. Sounds like a lot of work. Well, it's really not a lot of work at all. The changes are very simple, but, but the result of those changes are very important. I mean, certainly you wouldn't want your boy to hurt his arm. We had a kid, there was a kid last year that got hit in the league. He was also playing in our league. He got hit in the face. He never played baseball again. He got hit in the face in another league, broke his cheekbone, we never saw him again. He got, get, he decided I'm quitting baseball. He was a good young player too, about nine years old. And, um, you know, this stuff happens all the time. And uh, this is what the heart of all this is about, you know. What else? What, what, what else we got? If we go back to that ball, I mean, you see kids nowadays, even at seven and eight years old, you know, they wear the helmets with like the whole face mask thing over there. Yeah, they're in like, armor. Like, it's like they're a hockey player or something. It's, it's, <laughs> No, it's, it's like it's like it's like they like they should like be going, they're gonna go. What do you call it? Jousting. Yeah. It's kind put of them on funny a horse. in a way, but if you think about it, the reason why they wear the mask is because they're afraid of getting hit by the ball. And you have someone at that young of an age throwing a major league sized ball. One, they don't know how to throw correctly because they're throwing all the way down. Like yeah, yeah, they're lugging it. When you throw the baseball, you're supposed to throw it as high as your ear. You're supposed to get your elbow up. And that's what we mean when we say Little League Elbow, is that that's part of the reason why these kids are getting Little League Elbow. And then when they have the elbow down here, they're using the man-sized ball, they throw the ball, and then all of a sudden the kid gets hit in the face and he never wants to play again. It's just, it's a shame. And then you hear people say, oh, baseball is a dying game. Well, that's part of it in a way, is because these kids, they just... No kids to play it. Kids want to play it. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the game, and, you know, I hope I don't get hit by a lightning bolt. You know, if Ted is sitting with Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb having a beer right now, I hope they don't fire a lightning bolt through the ceiling and take me out. But baseball can be boring. I said it when I was nine, and my brother was crazy about it. I said, God, it's boring. I'd rather play basketball. I want to run around. I want to do something. Ride my bike. I don't want to sit around here doing nothing. So, um, and part of the reason for that was is that, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of action. There was plenty of action in the Ted Williams League. There were plenty of opportunities to field the ball, hit the ball, pitch the ball, because the ball is put in play way more often. And that's because, again, because of the dimensions. The, the ball 
the plate and the bat. Let's go back to the plate and the ball because we had kicked that around. Now, the division we're talking about right now, which is seven and eight, and we'll jump up to Thumper in a minute because I want to talk about all our divisions. The seven and eight-year-old division, they're at four, they're on a 14-inch plate. Now, to a mom at home listening, that is three inches smaller than the plate you're seeing on TV. Now, if you're in another league, they're using the same plate you see on TV, and that makes no sense at all. They're asking a boy to hit off a man-sized plate with smaller arms and a smaller bat, and they're allowing the pitcher to throw the thing as hard as he wants and uh, expect a kid to cover that to defend a strike zone that is really something he can't defend. Um, so in the kid division, he's batting off a 14-inch plate, but he's throwing a safety ball, and he's a little closer than in Little League. So uh, the batter is batting off 14 inches, and the pitcher is a little bit closer than what Little League does, and he's throwing a safety ball. And we averaged about 1.5 walks per game. Now, I'm not saying we didn't have days where the pitcher went out there and walked four guys in a row. But what I am saying is Ted Williams League rule removes him. We have strict pitching rules to remove him. And uh, and so there are boring parts to the game, but in general, there's a lot of action. The ball gets hit, the ball gets put in play. And let's talk about what the plate, what do you guys think the plate does? We were talking earlier about yeah. what does the plate do for the pitcher? Well, first of all, our umpire, our, our umpires call a very... Correct strike zone. Strict, you mean? Yeah, knees to chest over the plate. And I the love plate, it. The plate is smaller, so you have to get it over a smaller plate. So instead of humming the ball as fast as you can and hoping the umpire calls a strike at the kid's head, <laughs> you have to maybe take a little off and throw it over. Now that's not to say a kid who's super talented couldn't still throw it really hard, but over the plate. Yeah, like Wyatt. Exactly. Yeah. Wyatt, I want to say his last name was Dakari. Um, I can't remember where he's from. He threw the ball. Remember this? Yep. He could throw the ball hard and control it. Years ago, we had a boy named Daly who pitched in the study, in the Ted Williams League study at Woodworth Field, Charlie. Okay. Behind the old barn side, for any of you out there that are ashamed to know that name. The old barn side, Woodworth Field, behind there, Asinippi in Norwell. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, there was a kid named Daly, um, and I can't remember his first name, but I can see it like yesterday. And he was about nine years old, and he could just pump the zone at fourteen inches. He was unbelievable at it. And uh, so you're going to get those guys, but it, but there was just one of him, not twenty of them, pitching to unjustified uh, an unjustified strike zone. So I don't know if you're following what we're saying, but it's really important. What else? What else on this subject? This is this is where it all started, by the way. The plate is what really got this all going, you know. So basically, in the Ted Williams League, in the past few years, uh, to be fair, we've gotten a lot of players that come in from, you know, like Little League and elsewhere, and they come in and we put them on the mound, and it's walk, 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 yeah. walk, walk. <laughs> it's a walk fest. But then we, you know, with our instruction, we tell them. Hey, sl- slow it down a little bit, a little bit less velocity, and then finally they start to throw strikes. And what's more cool than that is the the hitters. You see more and more hits too, which is cool. You know what else you see too? 
is they get themselves out. The hitter will swing and miss, or he'll pop one up to the catcher, or he'll, you know, right. he'll swing at a ball up at his nose because it's not going so fast that he's petrified. The hitter becomes offensive. The hit, the pitcher starts to slow the ball down and get over the plate. The hitter then becomes offensive, and then the he fielders get on their toes because the hitter is putting the ball in play. But a lot of times he's putting the ball play in play only to be out. And all that is way better than what else is going on. Yeah. And you said something else, and I want to go way back to Ted Williams Camp, where I met Ted when my coach, Fred Brown, got me my job there my freshman year. And I ran into one of the greatest coaches I ever knew in my life. His name was Earl Matheson. And I remember Earl saying, and he's a friend of mine now, and him saying, the pitcher starts the defense. One of the best things I ever heard. I was just a young guy about your age, maybe a little younger. And he said, the pitcher starts the defense. And that's exactly what we're teaching them. If the pitcher can't throw strikes, and I remember talking to Daryl Brandon, play with Yaz, and him saying, you've got to throw strikes. And, and, and those two men really got me thinking about the importance of the pitcher starting the defense, the pitcher throwing strikes. And then when the Ted Williams League was put together, we tried to find the reasons why they were not. And it led back to... Um, dimension and equipment, which is really exciting. If you listen at home, you're saying, what are these guys talking about? It is, uh, it, the, the changes are simple, and the results are very, very positive. What I mean, else? I mean, also to expand on the pitching, we do do pitchers tests. Like, you know, we have tests for the guys who say they can pitch. For different levels, the test is a little bit different, but in general, it's a certain amount of pitches that are considered a strike out of 10, and if they pass the test, they can pitch. And obviously, in the game, sometimes, you know, because the batter's there, they might... Oh, their parents. Yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> might, they might panic a yeah, bit. Yeah, they pee their pants. Exactly, but in general, we avoid people saying, oh, I can pitch just to be a terrible pitcher. Yeah. We try to make sure that the pool of pitchers is... Are people who can well, you know, and you remind me of something else, and you, um, I hope you weigh on this. How about this one? There are no, we have volunteers in the Ted Williams League, but in general, if you come in the Ted Williams League, you're doing, as a coach or an umpire, you're doing what we all are doing, and the reason I'm bringing this up, and and some of you at home might understand what I'm talking about. Often, what you have is a volunteer that has his own agenda, and his own agenda is his son or daughter or whatever, and they're going to be the pitcher, and they're going to play shortstop. None of that in the Ted Williams League. You know, Matt brought up a great point. We have a test. You take the test. You either pass it, and to bounce off what Dylan was saying about your arm and how to throw the ball and all, part of that test is that your your stride direction and your arm height is correct. And we look at some... um, you know, some basic physical movements that we know will keep the arm safe, the hitter safe, and the pitcher safe, you know, throwing the ball. And then we expect him to throw it over the plate. And at different levels, he has to know other things, you know, runners on, you know, blah, 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 so on, so, so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, um, you know, we had one year in the, and I know this is going way back, but... When we did that, I did a podcast for Rob Tong. You guys remember this? You heard this, this guy down in, I want to say Texas. 
And he's listening to me, and he, I, I don't really think he was all excited about it. I said, I'm doing my own damn podcast, you know, but he was listening to what I was saying, and then when I heard it, you heard it, Charlie, yeah. and he was kind of like saying, oh, you know, I don't know if you guys are going to agree with this or not. Well, I'm going to be clear right with you right here. Anybody listen, I don't care if you agree with me or not. I've been out there a long time, put a lot of hard work into this, and my thing is you proved this wrong. I'm saying it was not set up correctly in the first place, and we got great results. Here's one of the results I'm going to say to you. And I said this to this gentleman that asked if he could interview me for his podcast. He's got 100,000 followers, and I was happy to do it, and he was honored to have me on as Ted's successor, but I could tell that he was doubting what I'm saying. Well, I, you know, what I'm saying is too bad for you, Rob, because there's a lot of good from this. And here's one of the stats that I said to him. He said, I told him that one day we had a game in our kid division, seven, eight years old, six pitches went to the mound. Six pitches went out there. No walks. Six different kids played for six innings. No walks. And he said, that doesn't seem possible. And I said, exactly. And what? And that's if we go back to what we were talking about before. What happened was the boys were getting the ball, not always over the plate, but at a speed that enticed the hitter to be offensive. And guess what? Little kids can't hit. So little pitches getting the ball close to the plate will lure out the fact that little hitters can't hit. No, If your kid goes up there wanting to walk, He's missing all the fun in baseball. Yeah. All the fun in baseball. I never went up in a pickup game with my brother at the Blakey in this heart of Boston wanting to walk. <laughs> I wanted to hit the thing with a broken bat screwed together, and I wanted to hit it. You know? And so so I think that it's... I do think that this information is difficult to digest. I think we're on the right track. And while I'm thinking about this, too, we have an email address. Ted Williams League at Yahoo.com. I'll say it again. It's real simple. Ted Williams League at Yahoo.com. We're also on Facebook, Ted Williams Baseball League. If you post a question, say, hey, can you talk about this? Uh, next podcast, we'll talk about it. That sounds like a good idea, huh, guys. Why not? Yeah. Email us. Get involved. <laughs> I sorry, you know, speaking of that, now here I go. I'm on a rant. Just hit me with anything. Charlie knows. Just hit me with a rolled up piece of paper. But this ain't much different than me and Ted at this kitchen table, is it? Right. It was like this, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. We'd go in. We were into it, man. Right? right. Yeah, he was right. He was crazier than I was. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a true story. So, But um, I got up this morning. I happened to see I belong to this organization called Baseball Moms. And I just had, I got, it, I got into it because of the presentation. I asked them, can I post the presentation, the video presentation, talking about all this stuff. And they said, sure, and I became a member of that. So I get up, and I happen to see a post from a baseball mom talking about how she's entering a tournament. You ready for this one, guys? And she had bought all these kind of bats, and she had bought all these kind of bats, and now the tournament requires these kind of bats. I almost went, I, I, the smoke was coming out of my ears. And here's this mom with her 10-year-old boy, and I'm saying to myself, I can't wait to get on bats, because I'm going to tell you right now, bats are the biggest crock of crap. And what, that's the Band-Aid they try to put on all these mistakes. And who's paying for it? You are, Mom. You are, Dad. Ted Williams League, we play all with wood. You don't even have to bring a bat. We buy them for you. We, we lay them in-house. 
You want to talk about crazy? We cut them in-house. So, you know, uh, we don't... Uh, this whole... I felt so bad for that mother. I'm going to do a presentation on bats alone and send it to that mother and tell her what I think of the baseball bat band-aid that they try to put on this. I can only imagine how much he paid just for one bat. I mean, you're talking $200 or more. Well, let, let, yeah, well I told you the, the, the Ryan story. I had a boy that plays AAU, and he had a bat, and I do have pictures of that bat. I told you that they didn't come out in the camera. They did. I found them. It was my mistake. So if you're following this on the podcast, now check this out. There's a thing called the sweet spot. You all know what this is. You, you, it's the place on the bat you can hit the ball the best. So this boy has a bat, and I'm giving him a batting lesson. He plays AEU. Nice kid. Good player. And I'm like, you know, Ryan, I want to show you what I call a sweet spot. We're going to think about this a little bit more, because I think you need to get the good part of the bat to the ball more often. So I take his bat, and I do what you call tapping out the sweet spot. So I find it for him, and I'm like, holy cripe, the sweet spot is so low on the bat, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. Now, I just happened to have, ready for this, for anybody at home that's following this, a Spalding's Mickey Mantle bat made out of wood, 28 inches long. Now, I had picked it up somewhere, someone donated or whatever, you know, and we use wooden bats. So I said, okay, we can, we'll, we'll make this work. We'll put it in our repertoire, and we clean them up, and we, we put them back in there. It's not broken. There's nothing wrong with it. So I happen to be using that to tap out the space shuttle bat, which was a Marini. That sound familiar? Yeah, that, probably. Yeah, yeah th- I think I'm saying that right, but I'll get it. I'm going to nail this because I was so pissed I can't tell you. Whoever designed that bat should be ashamed. They shouldn't be able to go to sleep tonight. So I tap out the sweet spot. Then I with the Mickey Mantle bat, 28 inches long. Now, this boy I'm teaching is 12. He'll be 13 soon. And he's batting up a 17-inch plate. Keep that in mind. So I tap out the sweet spot. Now I take the Mickey Mantle bat. I tap out the sweet spot. Guess what? They're in the same place. Now, if you're at home listening to this, so this kid's got one of these foolish space shuttle bats. Here's a kid that loves the game, nice little player. We already know he's on the wrong plate. He's on a man-sized plate, and now he's got a bat that has a sweet spot in the same place as a Mickey Mantle 28-inch bat from, I don't know, 1960 or something. And just to, just to clarify, how, how long was the other bat that he had? The space oh, it bat? must have been, I want to say 31. Good question. I'm going to say guess 31. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying to you is, in the world of the sweet spot, I might as well just said, Ryan, why don't you just use this Mickey Mantle bat? Because it's the same in a way. So I said, how much did you pay for this bat? He said, I think it was three, uh, now we're talking hundred. <laughs> now, I, if you know, I, I'm getting too old for this, but I thought I was going to have a goddamn heart attack. When, that, when I heard what that boy said to me, I didn't know whether to feel worse for his father and mother or for him. And he's on a 17-inch plate with a teeny little $300 bat. That's a true story. I'm going to do a video just on that one alone. So this is what I'm saying to you. This is how important all this is. So how much money is being spent on foolishness? Right. Charlie, you following this? Yeah, definitely. I t- if Ted was alive listening to that story, 
I, I he would have he'd get up and go in his room. He'd be so he would not even listen Swam to it. Slam the door. Oh, he would be. I can't even imagine how would he respond to that. He'd be just shaking his head, and be calling he'd be calling someone a damn fool and banging on the table. Right. And I don't blame him because you know he's looking at this as something that was very very important to the the molding of his character. And in my opinion, we have people that don't understand it that are dragging it down and parents and kids being held up in it and some of these good organizations just not knowing any better and buying into it. They got no way out of it. We're going to do the tournament. Well, if you're going to do the tournament, you need this bat. Are you kidding me? You're kidding me. All right, I'm shutting up now. That was a good rant, though. (laughs) (laughs) What I see, too, with some of those bats is, you know, you swing a typical bat, or at least my whole playing career I have, you have the little round, like, knob at the bottom. Um, but what I've noticed is, yeah. Matt, you can agree with me, that it's not even round anymore. It's, like, diagonal, and it's weird. And it's, like, so normally when you swing a bat, you have good, like, hand position, what we call unbroken wrist. But these, in order for them to swing, they have to, they have to sort of, like, turn their wrists a different way. Which basically the bat is designed for them to swing down at the ball yeah, rather yeah. than swing up. Basically, with I've seen it with my own eyes. I mean, I saw it at some kid at, at the the field a few days ago. I saw a thirteen year old with a bat like that, and I was like, yeah. "Well, there is there is a bat there is a bat out there." Are you talking about an axe grip? Yeah. Okay. Now let me clarify that for you because that's kind of interesting in a way. If the boy doesn't understand how it works, it is it's very difficult. But that came from the science of hitting. That idea comes from the book I was born from, where Ted said, hitting a baseball is like swinging an axe into a tree. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to get uh, the unbroken wrist position motivated by creating an axe handle grip so that you can't, if you roll, you're not holding the bat like an axe handle. Now, the problem is, does the hitter understand that yeah, he has to keep that axe handle position up into the plane? And my guess is, no, he does not. Yeah, if, if the hitter holds it the wrong way, oh, not, yeah. not only will they not be able to do it, their unbroken wrist will be even worse. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think that, in general, most people that have those bats do understand the concept, but it is sad to think that you know, they're taking a good idea, maybe unex- and not explained correctly, and it's just out there. My thing is, if it's on a space shuttle bat, I hate it, I hate it whatever handle it has. I don't care if it has, a, <laughs> has a, a solid gold handle made by Peter Pan. If it's on a space shuttle bat, I hate it. Because the amount of money that has gone into that level of, that you know, children playing baseball is just so far off my radar. And it's just a band-aid. It's not the problem. So let's talk about, let, let's do that. Where do those bats come from? Let's talk about that. Could we then say then that one reason is they're overthrowing the ball to too big of a plate? You agree, Charlie? Yeah, I agree. So they're throwing, they got a 17-inch plate. So now a 12, 13-year-old kid is pounding that ball. The umpire is opening the zone. So hitting becomes harder because the plate is too big. For coverage, hitting becomes harder because the ball's being thrown faster than it should be. Hitting becomes harder because the umpire, you will you agree, they open the zone, Charlie? Yeah, they. they you ever hear a coach say, they, "Open the zone, the we want to go say, home." Hey, you got to open the zone, um, because uh, we got to go home tonight. We're not gonna be here all night. I've heard the ump say it himself too. He's like, "Oh, guys, I, I'm opening up the zone tonight because you know it's getting dark soon, and 
Whatever. You know, we'll have to get into that one. I, you see, it might is just smoke coming out of my ears. We call it as tight as tight can. We call it correct. I won't say tight. We don't call it tight. We don't call it loose. We call it the way it's written. You know, I, I, who thinks they're more important than Doubleday? That's what I'm saying. You know, we could argue over who created baseball, but I'm going to give it to Doubleday. Everybody pretty much does. Who thinks they're more important than him? I don't. Ted didn't. So, the zone's too big. Pitch is overthrowing the ball. Harder on hitting. Um, the pitcher's throwing the ball faster because the zone's too big. Harder on hitting. The umpire's opening up the zone because the pitcher's overthrowing the ball and he can't get it over because he can't control it because he's throwing it too fast. Harder on hitting. So what does uh, the American manufacturer do? We're going to give you a bat to make all this better. It's not the problem. Does it make it a little better? I think it makes it a little better. But I, I want the fathers say to me, it's not the bat that does the hitting. And I always thought that was great. I can't remember the guy's name. I love him. This boy was in the high school program in the winter. I love this guy. Oh, I can't remember his name right now. But he says, it's not the bat that does the hitting. It's the hitter that does the hitting. And the bat will support it or help out a little bit. And I agree. But um, those bats, they're just, they're just trying to put a Band-Aid on the problems. We're actually, we've done the surgery. We've actually fixed the problem. We're not putting Band-Aids on it. We've gone in and found the source and eliminated the source of the problem. That's what the Ted Williams League has done. Well, this is going okay. So, we actually, we got time. Let's jump up to... Um, I don't know. Let's just talk about some fun plays in Thumper and A and Double A two, and we're and we're done. This has gone great. We got a couple of minutes left. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of anything really good uh, happened in Thumper. Well, let's talk about A division because it was on the field today. Uh, we have uh, a player in the division. Chloe hit the ball very well. We had uh, Cole make a dive and catch it short. Um, we had a guy thrown. Out is second. The second baseman couldn't make the tag. There's another one. The runners are live. They can lead. Live runners. Catcher comes up. Ho Again, smaller ball. It's a real ball, but smaller, a little bit lighter. Catcher comes up. Throws to second. All he's, all the player at the other end has to do is tag him, and they don't. They don't get the tag. Remember that play, yeah, Matt? Yeah, and where does that come from? It comes from Little League and it not even being possible to throw the guy out yep. trying to steal second, so they don't know how the play works. Yeah, they, 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 they don't know how they don't know how it works and they have no confidence in it because they've never experienced yeah, it. Exactly. And in, in, in again and you know and, and I I wanna remind this I, I remind you this again. When we say little league, we're not talking about or Babe Ruth or AAU. I'm not talking about the the great people out there that run some of those programs. I'm you know, we know we all know that they got their share of coconuts, you know. But there are some great people out there to whip. But what I'm picking on is the format. Whether it's AAU or Babe Ruth or Little League, I am clearly saying the format can be improved. That's what we're saying. That's what the Ted Williams League is saying. And we're only saying it to try to make the game better. So that was an interesting play. What else happened? That got, oh, we had two boys who had no experience at all. They're brand new to the game. One kid's played about a year, but another kid hasn't played at all. They're at second base, right? They get a ground ball hit to them. They stop it, and they throw to first and make the play. 
And that was really interesting. Well, one boy did. One boy just missed getting the out. The other boy got the guy out. And I said, look at that. Now, they know if I charge the ball a little bit, if I get on, if I get the ball a little sooner, I'm going to be able to get them out at first. And now they got some decent experience. One boy hasn't hit the ball at all. He's batting over a 15-and-a-half-inch plate. This is an A division now, level higher. He's 12 years old, hasn't played a bit. Runner on third, maybe one out. He just gets a piece of it and taps it just by heading towards second base slow. Run comes in. He runs very well. He gets down the line, safe. So he gets his first hit in an RBI, just putting the ball in play. Now, would that have happened on a man-sized plate with the real ball? First of all, he would have been way off the plate, petrified. But because he was on a justified zone, the pitcher wasn't throwing wildly, overthrown wildly because he knows he can get away with it, if you follow what I'm saying. And that boy went home saying, okay, I got a hit today. I'm trying to think. What else? Did you see anything else, Matt? You were on the field with me this morning. Uh, I mean, just in general, it was very good baseball. Not too many mistakes happened between the kids. Yeah, nice. You know, had a nice line drive was, uh, oh boy, DiMaggio. Yeah, 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 he did. Yeah. yeah, there's a name I can remember. He had a nice line drive with wood up the middle. Crack, you know. Um, wow, this has been fantastic, and I think we're going to wrap it up here. Anybody got anything to add? I'm Steve Ferroli from Hanson, Massachusetts. This has been a Ted Williams League podcast, and um, here's what I got to say to you. Get a good pitch to hit. We'll see you next time. I called on you to spark up all my fun. Days at the playground, right out in the street. Baseball made life complete. Now my mama.